Echoplex Media is live Wednesday through Sunday on Twitch. Shows start at 7 or 9 p.m. Pacific. You can get our whole schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Make sure to follow us, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Enjoy the show. At some point, we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Friday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. If you'd like to support this project, project, head on over to eplex.store. You can donate directly just one time there. You can also sign up for a membership. Operates a little like Patreon. And, of course, you can buy merch uh, like this fabulous tinfoil hat that I am uh, sporting on stream lately and out and about on the town to the extent that I can go out on the town here in the burbs. What's up, Councilman? How you doing? I'm doing very well, Producer Dave. Can you hear me now? Am I coming through clear? Yes, yes. Excellent. That's good to hear. Well, hey, uh, welcome, everyone, to uh, the local derp show to end all local derp shows. Uh, This is the Councilman. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Councilman. You can also find me creeping up with some eminent domain on your property if you do things that we don't like. Um, I'm really knee-deep into the budget season in all of our public service agencies right now. It's it's very wonky stuff, so I'm really glad to be able to sort of dip into more uh, lighthearted stories here on Down Ballot this evening with you, as always, Producer Dave. And uh, the b- bad baby is blessedly chilling with the good wife. Um, they're watching some basketball, I think. So, uh, yeah, we have the we have the docket to ourselves this evening. Oh, Doc, it doesn't seem very lighthearted this week. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little dark. <laughs> but luckily, I, I threw. I, we have two things in there for uh, another thing, so hopefully, we can maybe have a, a couple happies at the end. Yeah. So, what do we got for leading off? Well, uh, the teachers, they they still pissed, and doesn't look like there's going to be any resolution anytime soon. Day six. All right, there's growing tension as the Oakland school strike is now in its sixth day. As frustrations boiled over on one of the picket lines, the union and district continue to spar over the so-called common good proposals. NBC Bay Area's Valina Jones explains what educators say they need from the district before going back to class. Come on, dude. Stop you just ran into me. There's people in front of you. You just ran right into moments me. on the sixth day of the Oakland teacher strike. You can walk in. Yeah. You don't have to drive your Cell phone video shows a confrontation between That's a construction worker and picketing educators who block the entrance of a school district construction site. Video shows a driver bump into at least one of the teachers while trying to cross the picket line. The driver claimed it was unintentional and ultimately walked into the site instead. I didn't write into anybody. I couldn't have gone any slower. Teachers were blocking the worksite, protesting the new $57 million OUSD administrative building being constructed there. They argue that money should go to fixing classrooms instead. We have buildings in schools right now where there's faulty plumbing, sewage leaking on students in classrooms. With little movement in negotiations, thousands of teachers were back on the picket lines today. While the union and district are close to an agreement on wages, they are still very divided on so-called common good proposals to address things like student homelessness, facility repairs, and shared governance over community schools. As laudable as common good causes may be, they should not hold children's learning hostage. Last night, Superintendent Johnson Trammell claimed approving the union's common good proposals would cost more than a billion dollars. Today, teachers are disagreeing with that claim. How is a number like that quantified and nobody right. sat at the table and done any kind Ooh, okay, of pen to paper number? Oakland Mayor Sheng Tao is also weighing in, explaining she's committed to investing in community, school safety, and affordable housing. In a statement today, she expressed support for 
teachers and the district, saying we must support the needs of both for the good of our communities and the entire city. I urge OUSD and OEA to work together to settle the strike. Both sides are back at the negotiating table tonight with teachers saying they're committed to staying on the picket lines as long as it takes. How can we go in that building and talk to our kids about having agency and advocating for themselves? How can we better demonstrate that, that than voting with our feet? And that's what we're doing. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. So real quick on that one billion number, it's there's this thing that happens, right? It, and you notice it most starkly in the federal government. When they tell you how much the military is spending, they'll tell you in the terms of one year. But then, like, there's, like, a health care proposal, and they'll be like, well, this will cost this much over 10 years. And it's like, right. well, now you've just now you've just inflated the fucking number you get to say by, like, like you've cooked. You're not lying, but you're 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 closing and opening the time window, depending on the narrative you're trying to push. And so right. what a billion dollars, like a year. Every 10 years, every five years. Who knows? And who knows if it wasn't just some sort of back of the napkin or or just a number that sounds really big, right? Like, hey, it's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars. Let's just call it a billion, right? One billion. Um, no, you're, you're dead right. That That's pretty much uh, what happens. Anytime you're trying to shoot down a policy or something you need to fund, right? Uh, you, you make the case it's going to be bigger than it actually is, right? Like you said, you're not lying. They're not. Um, they they are obfuscating. They are not telling the entire truth, right? Um, more than likely, uh, it happens a lot with uh, pension reform battles, right? You hear it a lot. The unfunded liability, the great unfunded liability of pensions. Yeah, if every single person in the city retired today, right, uh, and we had to pay for everyone who's already retired and still living, yeah, there wouldn't be enough money to go around, right, today. But everyone's not going to retire today, right? Um, unless. <laughs> Let's really shit goes really haywire um, or really well so, or if yeah, like the aliens really well, come down right? if the aliens come down and just yeah. give us they're like here's a coin it gives you unlimited resources nobody has to work oh it also does all your work for you oh i like this i mean maybe ed 209 has some uh mayor ed 209 has some uh, ideas about that maybe he's talking to the aliens about it um we'll find out anyway uh yeah so it's it's one of those inflated numbers more than likely uh to make make uh their demands look bad i actually kudos to the teachers on this honestly like they're you know they're close on wages which is great for teachers but they're going the extra mile they're showing that like look this is not about just us this is about our students and their ability to learn um so we need to serve the the students that are unhoused right and do more to to help them uh the students who uh are working and, and uh, doing their schoolwork in decrepit, you know, decaying buildings while you're building these palaces for your administration, right? This happened in San Jose Unified. It's happened in other districts. Uh, it's, it's, it's a curse. It's, it's, a, it's a, a pandemic of, of largesse uh, in the administration and no attention is being paid to these schools where the kids actually have to learn, right? So it's good, good on the teachers for calling on investments there and really making that their line in the sand. It's like, look, you know, just like much like nurses and doctors or nurses when they strike at hospitals. It's not about, you know, trying to deny anyone care or, or screw anyone over because they're, they're pissed off about their wages. They're, they're trying to, you know, ensure that their patients uh, are safe and they get the care that they deserve. Um, and that can't happen when you have them uh, and teachers are trying to get their students the services they deserve. And they can't happen unless your teachers are happy, healthy and ready to, and, and empowered to do good jobs. Yep. And just a quick uh, other note, there's also a labor action going on up in Shasta County. The county workers are striking and um, 
They are, uh, you know, some of the some of them are known to this network and have been guests on shows on this network. So fucking solidarity to them up there. And the bot eventually in the chat will uh, drop a GoFundMe for the Shasta County workers. And I will try to remember for the podcast listeners to put a link to that in the show notes. But if I don't, it's really easy. You can just look up Shasta County workers strike and you'll find the GoFundMe, I'm sure. Um, Fabulous. So, yeah, solidarity to, to all these uh, these. Uh, public sector workers uh, striking, uh, you know, Shasta County, the it's a little bit different than Oakland, but Oakland, there's a lot of money in Oakland, a lot of money in Alameda County. And um, I think they can fix the schools. I, it's just a matter of priorities. And it seems like, I don't know, it seems like the teachers aren't really too uh, too keen to give up. So good on them um, and good on the community for continuing to support them and the parents. Um, they've got their messaging down. I mean, almost every parent you hear quoted on these stories is in solidarity with the teachers. So the teachers definitely did their work, their, their diligence and their, their footwork of getting the parents behind them. That's what you need if you really want to move things. And you can tell the administration is quaking a bit because they wouldn't get defensive like this and talk about billion dollars and start to, you know, maybe go on the attack unless they were feeling a little bit, a little bit threatened themselves. So I think you're, uh, you're going to see some movement in the next week in some direction. Well, that, that's we'll find good. out. So we're gonna we'll move on to week. we're gonna move on to winners and losers. And this first story is a fucking insane. It like reminds me of a story we covered in the North Bay quite some time ago. It, it's one of the most down ballad stories I've seen in a while. So uh, maybe instead of telling people about it, we're just gonna let the, lo- the news cover it. We have the local news hit, and then we have the press conference. So there you go. Let's let it rip raw here. footage. And it is a shocker because. The San Jose business looks pretty unremarkable, but police say what they found inside could have destroyed an entire building. Police were called out for burglary on Old Bayshore Highway just off 101, but they found something totally different and something none of them were expecting. A stockpile of explosive-making materials. 48-year-old Adam Mirasu was arrested after police searched his home and his business. Len Ramirez talked to his neighbor and people who work close by to where this alleged bomb factory was uncovered. Well, police arrested the suspect at his home here in the Ross Creek neighborhood of San Jose. They also obtained a search warrant and found several of what they're calling destructive devices inside the house, but plenty more at his place of business where this whole investigation began. Police say each of these small devices lined up in rows packed up to three times the explosive power of an M80. And if they all somehow blew up together... They said he had enough to level a building. I mean, imagine that in a neighborhood. That's that's the scary part. This neighbor said it was shocking to find out that 48-year-old Adam Mirasu had been arrested for allegedly running an explosive device manufacturing operation out of his home and business. And he lived 15 years plus next to a guy you think you know him and then, then something like that pops off. Police used to move the yard, which may have been headquartered in this small business park on Old Bayshore, might never have been discovered if not for a burglary call that came in a few days ago at four in the morning. Officers went to clear the building in which the reported burglary occurred. They stumbled upon the evidence that they discovered. It appears that this manufacturing facility had been in operation for a very long time. Besides these finished devices, police also found more than 100 pounds of precursor materials that could be used to make larger bombs, and investigators are trying to figure out if the devices were being sold and distributed and who else might be involved. Our building is uh, uh, pretty close. 
Jim Davis runs a motorcycle repair shop in the set of buildings next to where the destructive devices were found. He says he wasn't even allowed to get close to his shop when the San Jose bomb squad took over the scene. It doesn't surprise me, but it is kind of scary when you think about what he was making and uh, what could, could have happened. Uh, sounds like he had a lot going on over there. And I mean, he's got kids and a black lab and everything looks like, you know, the perfect kind of family unit. And then next thing Mirasu was arrested on felony charges of reckless possession of destructive devices and precursor materials. He's being held at Santa Clara County Jail on a $400,000 bond. Just this one time, I wish people would have said he has psycho killer eyes. I'm not surprised. Right? Like, look at that picture. Like, like they chose it. Like, they chose it's the picture. One ones, it's one of those ones where it's like, oh, that guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> that dude? He seemed, he seemed like such a nice boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why is it always the case? You know? Like, it doesn't really, actually doesn't matter what they look like, right? It, we've seen this before. It, it, it's always the case. Oh, you know, you live next to a guy for 15 years. You think you know them. Like, no, like, really, these days, honestly, like, does anyone, any of us really, I mean, maybe we're different, you know, beasts, who knows, but, and, and we happen to know our neighbors pretty well on one side, at least, but like, how, how well do you really know your neighbors these days anymore? Do you ever talk to them? Do you ever bother to go over and knock on the door and say, hey, how you doing? How are the kids? You know, here's some nectarines from our backyard, right? Like, no. Uh, so you probably don't know this guy at all any more than you know the person who serves your fucking latte at Starbucks in the morning, right? So what I've, I've found, and it's it's just for me, but when I've lived in the denser, the spa the place I live, the more likely I am to actually know my neighbors. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I right. knew like everybody in the neighborhood, apartment. like almost everybody in the neighborhood who was like out and about like regularly I, in my last yeah, yeah. neighborhood here, I see like somebody walking their dog every once in a while. So <laughs> that's it. Right. Right. And it's also, it's detached houses, right? It's not like you're, you're in a detached home and then you were in, you know, uh, more of a congregate or apartment kind of setting. Uh, before yeah no I, I i certainly found that and when i was living downtown when i was living in japantown where the, uh, there was opportunity to go out um and and you know network and meet people and friend work um and and and, and encounter new people um i certainly found myself doing that a lot more often and it was great and i knew i would you know come across people in my apartment complex say hey where are you going let's go there yeah good to meet you where do you live oh let's go to your apartment hey it looks just like mine um, so, so, uh, so, so it's, it's fun to do that too. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I don't see why, um, we can't do more of that. We can't have more dense housing. So when, when he said that each one of the devices was like three M eighties, I'm like, well, that's not really that powerful. Right. I thought he was going to say like three sticks of dynamite or some shit. Like when he said, when I heard the word yeah. three, I, I thought we were, I thought, now don't get me wrong. Like. All that shit blows. Like if that if that place catches on fire, kaboom, right? Yeah. But like a fireworks yeah. stand, everything there, even if they're like the supposedly safe and sane fireworks, fireworks stand catches fire, kaboom. Right. Like my understanding is an M80 will blow your hand off, right? So right. basically like three M80s would blow off three hands or, or, or two hands and a foot maybe. So you're basically left with one limb. You can uh, fuck up a wall but, with one of those. But maybe you're probably. alive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you're alive, right? So, um, you know, maybe not as strong as like a pipe bomb or what we're dealing with up in Napa, but he did have apparently like a hundred pounds of precursor material, right? So either he's making tons of these really, I'm, if it's like an M80 or stronger than an M80 three times, my guess would be like just, yeah, uh, 
what do they call the the safe fireworks? Safe and sound or safe and clean? Yeah, these were these would be right? unsafe and insane fireworks. There, there you go. <laughs> safe and insane, right? Yeah, un, un, unsafe and totally insane fireworks. Um, so he probably yeah he's he's cousin Larry's insane fireworks at the back of his truck, right? Selling yeah. these big all things. The ones you hear. I mean, we hear it all the time. We're we're across the street from a school, the good wife and I, and we hear you know these enormous you know explosions all the time. We know for a fact they're not like it's not you know bombs going off we're not under attack it's not a transformer blowing right it's just some kids blowing something up right so it could be one of these things they sound like louder than shit um they, they wake the baby up it's annoying as shit but whatever kids are kids uh so this guy's probably selling yeah more likely that kind of thing let's hope and he wasn't planning to use that hundred pounds of explosive for something bigger yeah i, I think your your thing where he's probably just selling fireworks is probably probably true it's this isn't yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like. <clears throat> I'm just guessing it's it's illegal fireworks. Oh, he's if making you were, it himself, if you, probably. Yeah, if yeah. you were planning on a like doing like a terrorism, you wouldn't be making a bunch of small explosives. You'd right. be making a big it, one, or right. several big like, ones, or a few medium ones, or whatever. Right, and they didn't actually. I don't know if they. I forget if they specified what kind of materials it was. Right, so if you're making like M80s, it's a whole different story in terms of the materials you're using from like building a pipe bomb i think or building or, or a, a sticky bomb or any kind of other you know larger scale explosive that's my educated guess as someone who's never built dealt with or fucked with explosives in any form so uh, yeah somebody in chat than, said if somebody throws my, somebody in chat said if somebody throws one of those in your car you're, you're gonna have a bad day that's absolutely true like if these are that's yes yeah i don't think people should have like something that that explosive but again i i, I think this is especially considering the time of year it is we're we're kind of creeping up on July. I'm starting yeah. to I'm starting to that's I'm guessing it's illegal fireworks. I wonder what was up with he, the burglary attempt. We'll, we'll find see, out. Yeah, it, it was at so a burglary attempt at the well. Uh, it could be uh, one of his clientele. How about that, right? Client, uh, that's my theory. Client, one of his clientele breaking in trying to steal some of these illegal fireworks that he's making. So we have the the raw footage of the press conference that the pigs uh, the police put on. Uh, it's a little bit long. We probably won't watch the whole thing, but we'll, we'll, we'll catch, we'll catch a minute or two of it. Three minutes, maybe kind of catch the gist of what the, what the police have to say. See if maybe there's what any is. more information because the news, the news hit was pretty general and mostly about like the usual, like the person on the street. Well, I was just a normal neighbor. It's like, well, the police, this, <laughs> that's fine. I don't care if you think that person was normal. <laughs> Let's start with, uh, our initial investigation. Just earlier this month, officers were responding to a burglary report in progress in the 1200 block of Old Bayshore Highway when they discovered what appeared to be a manufacturing facility for illegally made destructive devices. While clearing the building, they found several components that are used to make bombs or other destructive devices. Our detectives immediately took up the case along with bomb technicians who followed up and obtained search warrants not only for the business but also for the residents of the owner of said business. The person we have shown the picture of in the press release, Mr. Mirasau, is still in custody currently. Throughout the course of the investigation, several pieces of evidence were collected and the motive and circumstances are still under investigation. But from the evidence that we have found, it appears that this manufacturing facility had been in operation for a very long time. Not just because of the amount of explosives that were recovered, but also the precursor elements, over 100 pounds of different types of compounds that were used to make flash powder and then utilized to make and build up those devices that we showed in the picture. In comparison, many people make them appear to be something like fireworks, but the true reality is 
these aren't standard M80s that are used. We found that the devices themselves had sometimes two to three times the normal charge of powder than standard M80s. So we're not talking about military-grade equipment, we're talking beyond that. Uh, and the sheer amount that we seized alone in terms of the actual explosive devices and the method that they were stored quantified the reasoning behind the felony charges of not only possession of but reckless storage of that type of device. The powder alone in the area around it had one spark ignited, probably could have taken down the entire building. That being said, there's still an ongoing investigation into the why and what. A lot of the information that we seize not only from the business and the house is technical and obviously has elements that are volatile. We have submitted several of these to the Santa Clara County Crime Lab and we are awaiting results. Meanwhile, detectives are still looking for more information. If you or anyone you know has information about this individual or has information about the destructive devices that were shown in the picture, we ask that you please come forward and speak to our assault unit detectives and provide your statements. Questions? The report of the commercial burglary and the discovery of these devices, are, were they connected? Exactly. As officers went to clear the building in which the reported burglary occurred, they stumbled upon the evidence that they discovered. Detectives came together, obtained a search warrant for that building itself, and continued the search discovering not only the bomb-making materials, but the completed destructive devices, as well as tools utilized to manufacture those devices. So somebody broke in unbeknownst to the owner, and that's where the discovery was. Exactly. There's two investigations occurring. One is obviously the burglary of that commercial business, and two is the destructive devices that were found there. Is he being investigated as a possible domestic terrorist? You know, it's still too early to tell. His current charges that he's being held for, over $400,000 of bail at Santa Clara County Jail, include just the destructive devices. If there is evidence that shows that he has associations or any other type of information to uh, terrorism, we'll be obviously notifying our partners at the district attorney's office as well as FBI. But as of right now, we don't have that information. Yeah, so not that much more information. Um, yeah. And, <clears throat> I mean, it's... I, I'm skeptical that this is like related to like any kind of like domestic terrorism or anything like that. I think it's just big, big boom fireworks. Cause like you said, you hear fireworks that sound big because they are, because they're fucking illegal and they came from somewhere. Right. And this is where those big fucking fireworks come from. Somebody's right. got like a space and they're making them. Right. And I, I'll, I, it'll be really interesting to find out more about the burglary side of things. Right. So he's a victim and a, and a criminal at the same time, apparently, uh, We'll find out what happened on the victim side of things. I'm, I'm still holding out that, that, you know, if you're making, if you're making crimes, more than likely the crimes that happen to you are a result of, or related to the crimes you are doing, right? More than likely. So, uh, I, I'll put my money on, these were clients or people who knew he was making these things, right? And found out about it and someone tipped them off and they broke in trying to steal a bunch of the fireworks, right? More, my guess. We'll find out more. We'll follow up. We've been following up very well on Down Ballot lately. So, And this one's one I think that we're going to actually not have. A, we're not going to have to look too hard to follow up on this. I think we'll have something on it next week and the week after. Yeah, no, I I, and I, uh, I saw this literally, I think, Wednesday night on the Mercury News website. First thing, I'm like, oh, we need, vid you know, I put it in the docket, need video. And sure enough, I think that night on NBC, <laughs> saw the news hit on it. So I'm like, all right, we're ready to go. Um. All right, well, we'll follow up on that. What's next on the docket this evening? So the way I found out about this was actually uh, Cinco de Mayo. There was a party at the van that was um, at the caravan, or one of our beloved venues here, that had nothing to do with Cinco de Mayo. And the, peop the, the bands and the venue were kind of pissed because it was Cinco de Mayo and the fucking 
city shut down freeway off ramps to get into downtown. And so, Classy. so people are suggesting that this might uh, be a result of racial bias because there are other events, big events that happen, other things that draw people to downtown San Jose. And, um, they don't close down the freeways like this. They don't close down the off ramps. So let's see no. what uh, NBC Bay Area has to say about all this. Is it racism? Tonight, two state lawmakers are questioning whether racial bias played a factor in the decision to shut down major highway off ramps into downtown San Jose during Cinco de Mayo, week, Mayo weekend celebrations. And we want to show you this map right here. These off ramps are shut down right now, but the closures are a bit controversial. NBC Bay Area's Marianne Favreau joins us live from one of those off ramps. And Marianne, what do you know? Well, if you take a look here, you can see that there is a very large truck blocking this off-ramp, which is the northbound Highway 87 off-ramp, and it is now shut down at Julian Street. And it's going to remain that way until 2 o'clock tomorrow morning. It's not the only off-ramp into San Jose. Caltrans has shut down this weekend. Several others are also closed, including the McKee exit off Highway 101. Today, State Senator Dave Cortese and State Assemblyman Osh Kalra issued a joint statement questioning the move, saying normal traffic controls are one thing, but shutting down major highway access on the pretense of fear of multicultural celebrations of Cinco de Mayo is racist targeting and blatantly unconstitutional as it violates First Amendment rights to freedom of assembly. Why is there so much concern about traffic from East San Jose into downtown? on Cinco de Mayo when we literally have hundreds of festivals, holidays, events that are celebrated in downtown, yet this is the one where they feel that they all of a sudden have to shut down these streets. Assemblymember Ash Kalra is now calling on Caltrans to explain why the ramps are shut down. We reached out to Caltrans for comment, but have not received a response. In a statement yesterday announcing the closure, San Jose police said, while the majority of people who visit downtown San Jose during Cinco de Mayo are law-abiding, the celebration has also historically attracted individuals that have been responsible for various crimes, including vandalism and sideshows. Last night, police conducted traffic stops and cleared out large crowds at La Plaza de San Jose. Now, here at Julian, this off-ramp is going to be remaining closed until 2 o'clock tomorrow morning, as we mentioned. But also, it will be shut down again starting at 4 Sunday afternoon, reopening Monday morning at 2. Reporting live in San Jose, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. So one of the main problems here, not just like the, so they're just clogging up other streets by doing this. Sure. If absolutely. people, if people want to get to downtown San Jose in their car, they can just drive past the off ramps that are closed, tell Google maps where they want to go, find an off ramp that's open. And then boom, it tells them how to fucking get to where they're trying to go. They're not stopping right. anyone from going anywhere. All they're doing is clogging up like streets that aren't, like designed for that amount of traffic so it's like fucking everything up probably dangerous for pedestrians more dangerous for cyclists probably like pissing off people who live in neighborhoods that aren't used to this kind of traffic like unnecessarily like the you know when your neighborhood's not designed for heavy traffic it's going to be fucking annoying when there's a bunch of heavy traffic in your neighborhood because you're not sure. going to be able to go anywhere if you want to sure and the irony is that the a lot of this is probably in response to the one or two fucking nimbies in the neighborhoods 
who were like, oh, those freaking Latinos and their lowriders. I don't want them, um, their stinky, filthy cars on my street and downtown. So they do this as a, a basically show. They know it's not going to solve anything, but they do it as a show. Like, we're doing something. We did something, right? But this is government at its fucking finest, just like being completely tone deaf, right? Um, and if San Jose PD played a role in this, like their response is even more tone deaf, right? Just uh, just silly season. There are some, most people who come downtown for Cinco, Cinco de Mayo are law-abiding citizens, right? Um, and But some people come to commit crimes. <laughs> you could you could say that about any festival, frankly, uh, in any city. Um, you could probably say that about St. Patrick's Day. Uh, if we want to talk about like cultural festivals, right? Um, you could t- say that about just about any cultural festival um, or any festival period, right? That the fe- it's a festival. It's time for being out and having fun and getting a little cray, right? And that happens, and crimes happen. So, but you know, but but it's it's not. But the, like we always talk about, the crime rate isn't really what's going on here. This is just about brown people and black people having fun and white people not being happy about it. If we're gonna shut down streets, why don't we shut down? the streets in downtown San Jose and fucking have a party, have some family friendly shit, do like a Viva Calle thing almost. But like shut down some fucking streets, tell people what's going to be shut down, tell them to take transit in, but don't try to prevent people from getting there. Try to create like an environment where it's fucking family fun for everyone. Cause San Jose tries to do that with everything anyway. Why not fucking do that? You know, like, like, I don't understand. I I mean Sounds I do like I mean I, me, I, I do I do understand, right? And, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is Cinco de Mayo in downtown San Jose used to be a fucking shit show, right? At one point sure. it was a total fucking shit show. But sure. now like 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 I don't know, like they did this fluff piece a few months ago that we watched about the lowrider group. Get together with them lowrider groups and be like, "Hey, we're, you know, get together 6 months ahead. We go, "Hey, we want to have a lot of fun on Cinco de Mayo. We want to keep it safe. What do you guys think we should do?" You know, let's get together on this, get together with some of the, some of the community groups, some of the, like the downtown yeah. association and like yeah. get together, get an event together. And then if, if you're going to be routing traffic, like maybe when people leave, you're going to be like, Hey, you know, expect delays as you're leaving. Cause we're going to be routing traffic to these three, uh, freeway uh, on ramps, you know, two South, uh, two North and one South. And, sure. um, but we, uh, we encourage you to take transit here. Are the, here are the light rail stations that have a park and ride like my God. Yeah, makes sense to me. I mean, the, the irony is, again, more irony. The, uh, the reason they overturned the cruising ban last year, right? And the Lowrider Council of San Jose was involved in that, right? And supportive of that was exactly that, right? To, to create more uh, uh, opportunity for big events, right? And big community style events where um, we all get together as a city and we celebrate these things. And we don't like, you know, try, try and segregate ourselves by saying, oh, that's just their celebration or that's their celebration or that's their celebration. It's our celebration. Because we're all part of this really beautiful, diverse city. We should all just em- be able to embrace each other's cultures instead of like trying to, you know, uh, curtail or to uh, unduly punish one or the other, right? Or, or to, to prejudge one or the other. Um, and it's, you know, so, it, but it seems to be where we're at in this town. Um, we have a lot of folks who demonize unhoused people. They demonize black and brown people. They demonize you know, trans people. They demonize everybody, um, and I, I wonder sometimes who do they actually like, other than the people that look exactly like them and sound like, exactly like them. Do you know how many people would line Santa Clara Street if there was like a fucking lowrider parade for Cinco de Mayo be, on be, Santa? If it was be, like to organize, it would be, be fabulous. It would be it would be the dopest fucking party. There'd be it'd no be fu- there'd be no fucking trouble. Yeah. Like, did, did you see? Did you see the the cruising 
ban overturn celebration. They had like 200 lowriders out in City Hall Plaza. They blocked off Santa Clara Street for three or two or three blocks. And it was just cars and, and vendors. And it was fabulous. There were fucking, basically, like a there. Fucking, basically like a fucking car show. Yeah. Yeah. There were kids out there. They were having a grand old time. There were horses too. Like, there was all sorts of crazy shit what, going low on. Lowrider horses? Lowrider horses. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, they could just do yeah, so, so They I, could just do so. I just see like. And maybe I'll be no fuck it. I'm not going to be careful. I see like I see like events like fucking like Viva Calle is great, right? But I it? see events like Sofa Street Fair where they go through this trouble to fucking like block off a bunch of streets and shit. And then like then like the event sucks, like yeah. or nobody shows up, or the you know, or it's just or it's all poorly run, right? And then no one comes back, right? Like that's the thing. Like when you talk talk about Cinco, it used to be a shit show in downtown. Well, that's that's what happens. Things go off the rails, and what happens? People don't come back, right? And sudden and suddenly there's no audience, and so the shit show goes away, and you have an opportunity to bring back something better, right? It just goes in cycles. Um, so like just just uh, proper proper fucking planning and yeah, like yeah. like some coordination. Like, proper planning for this like six months out get the city together get some fucking community organizers together and throw a fucking proper party for cinco de mayo have beer vendors mm. you know fucking have plate you know have some of the the proceeds go to charity like you do it sure it's the messaging is going to de define what the party is and if yeah. you make the party if you force the party to be renegade you're going to get the renegade party yeah i i want to i do want to get to the rest of the docket but one Quick thing on this point, I love this. Uh, I would love to see Via Bacaye, and I've, I'm on the record as saying this uh, at least once a month. I'd say one week, pick one weekend a month, and let's shut down the streets and do it thematically, right? Like, oh, it's May, let's do the Cinco de Mayo, you know, uh, Via Bacaye, right? It's right, uh, and it's, like make and for for August because Silicon Valley Pride is in August. Do make Pride like in this make Pride the middle of the Via Bacaye event. For, I I agree with you. Right. I agree with you. There's right. a lot of there's a lot of opportunity because, November, yeah. because there's just downtown san jose is like a dead zone anyway like there's not a lot going on mm. there and there's all this space and there's parks and parks and there's businesses that could fucking use the business there's a, a couple good restaurants there that people don't even really know about like sofa market would absolutely like if if you shut down all the streets during pride and you went all the way into the sofa district sofa market would make a killing the ritz yeah. would have events like you're right that, like there's like let's there's, get it going the, let's I, talk to our council members my god like this is we can make it happen we can make it happen we can absolutely make that happen. i think that's something that's infinitely doable so we'll talk we'll talk on an advocacy tip later yeah definitely definitely maybe we we'll get, get the, we'll get the should... if, if we get the chat into it man we'll win for sure so maybe chat we, are you with us maybe we should have a coffee or lunch one of these days like normal friends councilman there we go you know what let's have a burger and beer shit fuck, fuck yeah fuck the coffee um fuck, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the chat probably <laughs> has no idea what the fuck we're talking about viva kai so we'll have to we'll have maybe to drop we'll a link we'll move on Drop a link in there. Anyway, okay, yeah, next story, please. <laughs> so what's up? What, what is up next? So it looks like a major oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, folks in Union Square are still having a sad in uh, in San Francisco about all the crimes. So businesses seem to be moving out still. Or uh, just a couple of them. There's a lot of businesses in that area. Well, if, if you want specific types of furniture, apparently you're, you're out of luck. It has to be a tough job doing PR for Union Square right now. The heart of San Francisco's shopping district just lost another store to concerns about crime. Luxury Australian furniture store Coco Republic just opened. It poured millions into remodeling the building, but now it says the showroom has to close in July. A statement says safety concerns for shoppers and employees, a decline in sales since the pandemic. So 
If it feels like you've been hearing a lot of this lately, you have. Coco Republic joins other stores in the Union Square and Market area to call it quits on the city. Most recently, Nordstrom and Westfield. Our Wilson Walker looks at how these vacancies... That's a pretty wide area. That's not Union Square. No, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's more like Tenderloin plus Union Square plus like... Soma plus one of them was like up the hill away is like north mm-hmm. of market. Like this, this Coco place wasn't even in Union Square. No. Where are we going to go to get our Australian furniture? Hey, guy, stand up. What are you doing? Come on. The man outside smoking drugs had just wandered into the store and trying oh, no. to keep the intoxicated and confused out of the way of customers is now just part of the job here. Yeah, 30 years. And yeah, but she ain't going nowhere. See people outside. No. And it can't be the first time she's ever had, like, now she's ever had to deal with this. Closings have her even more discouraged about the future. Many small businesses have long depended on the larger ones to draw traffic into the neighborhood. Uh, if you go to Power Street, there is no business. Most of the places are closed. So who's coming to downtown? But this hasn't happened overnight. Even before the pandemic, Union Square was getting some bad publicity, a sense that the familiar challenges like homelessness had become more problematic. In the last few years, it really has been more about um, the mentally ill um, individuals on the street who are acting erratically on our sidewalks, coming into- Wait, this is from July, 2018? That was in 2018. We were unable to contact anyone with the Union Square Alliance today, but five years later, leases are expiring and problems are mounting too much drugs everybody's in drugs now you know and it's- she says standing in front of just fucking mountains of alcohol <laughs> <laughs> everybody's on drugs producer dave i don't know what else can i tell you it's hard to have a business here you know is this all the result of the it's hard to sell all my alcohol when everyone's doing drugs everywhere how much of it is one or the other like a lot of things in the city that might depend on your perspective just look at this gorgeous plaza on a day like this but for the businesses here especially the small ones every single store closing brings more unease about where things might be headed So we took a look at some crime stats for the Central District of San Francisco Police. That includes Union Square. Burglaries were up about 8% compared to last year. Larceny theft up 11%. Violent crime has been more steady in recent years. There was a small gain in robberies and assaults over the last year. So, yes. first of all, like, (laughs) retail's just dying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, yo, yo, I, I mean... If I need something today, I could, well, not today now, it's late, but I could get it delivered here tomorrow morning by Amazon, uh, you know, like, um, like the mall over here. I live near one of the, one of the, one of the Westfield malls. I go to the mall. The mall's dead. Yes. No, it's, it's boggling my mind. I I know exactly why, like the, the. You know, these businesses will blame the crime and they will blame the, you know, and things are just going completely off the rails, even though if you look at it over like the 30 year trend or the 20 year trend or the 30 year trend for this lady who runs the liquor store, um, you know, it's the crime is down period. Like all of those crimes are trending down over time. Right. Um, and the fact that no one bothers to say maybe just maybe 
luxury Australian furniture is not exactly the most vibrant market for retail. <laughs> is just that's the bog that's the mind-boggling thing. It's like obviously that's why they're shutting down. What but you just said, like where the why the fuck would I go to Union Square to get luxury Australian furniture? Right, I can probably order that shit online and get it a lot sooner delivered to my front door and never have to leave my house. Right. Um, that's retail these days. So yeah, retail's shutting down. It's, it's, it's changing. It's evolving. Right. Um, so if you don't evolve and you keep selling luxury Australian furniture, um, out of your brick and mortar shop, then yeah, you're going to have to shut down sooner or later, but yeah, you can blame the, the unhoused and you can blame the, the, the mentally ill and you can blame and victimize, you know, victim uh, blame anyone else you want, but it's you it's your business you should run it a little better i'm, I'm also having a hard time believing that people were going in and stealing like luxury couches yeah <laughs> not yeah right the jewelers yeah i understand right like those the smashing places that were getting smashed and grabbed right um but yeah fao schwartz is not exactly like getting is, is not a victim of that kind of thing the, the oversized nutcrackers right um so yeah, no, I don't. I don't envision it. What what is Australian furniture too? Like, is it made in Australia? I guess like it's it's just. Is there a style of Australian furniture that I'm not aware of? That's just so niche that that I'm just beyond me. Every every one of them comes with shrimp and a barbecue. Every, every order over a thousand dollars, you get you get some shrimp and a cheap barbecue. There, it's is it alligator lined or something? Maybe that that could be alligator skin lined. Anyway. Sorry. No, no disrespect to our Australian day drinking contingent, but uh <laughs> good day, good day to all of you. We love you so, so very much. Um, speaking of love in all the wrong places. Oh, you know what? We're gonna get to follow up on another story that we've been watching. This is uh, this is, right. this is Cap Street in uh, the Mission, where they uh, gentrified the shit out of this part of the mission, and then uh, the the problems they thought the gentrification would get rid of. The people were like, oh, actually, that's kind of a nice area. I'm going to go fucking look for John's over there. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, there's street lights. I feel safe. You know, like uh, I, it makes perfect sense to me anyway. Uh, so they've been trying very hard to curtail the the sex worker industry on Cat Street. Uh, and they are trying something new because everything they've tried heretofore either hasn't worked or has pissed off more people than it's uh, made happy. Ama and Dan, the new barriers will be collapsible steel bollards. They are replacing those cement barricades that were put up two months ago. Now, this move comes after a huge push from residents in the area who were fed up with the alleged sex work, noise, and violence on their streets. But don't move to the mission. In with the new. In an effort to curb alleged sex work, San Francisco's Cap Street is yet again getting a barricade upgrade. From crushed safety cones to trampled traffic barriers to graffitied cement walls. The news team broke that shit themselves. Water-based barriers. But after all that, the city settled on steel. These new barriers, also called collapsible steel bollards, will replace the existing cement barriers. San Francisco Public Works began drilling eight holes in the ground that will house the bollards along four blocks of Cap Street from 18th to 22nd. And now it's quiet. Neighbors couldn't be more excited. There's just local traffic. People can sleep. People That's because it's daytime. Safer. So how Susan. will this new system work? The 
barriers that are being placed um, can be removed within a matter of seconds uh, to a minute, depending on the circumstances that are going to be present during the time. Lieutenant Jonathan Baxter says the fire department is concerned about any impact to response times, as emergency crews have four to six minutes to arrive before patient care starts deteriorating. He says in the event of an emergency, first responders will be able to utilize either a key or remote device to collapse the bollards within a minute so emergency vehicles can enter. Like everything else has been sort of temporary and it looks kind of bad um, and, and like maybe this could be a permanent solution. Fed up with alleged sex work, crime, traffic, and noise, this group of residents say the barricades have significantly improved the safety of Cap Street over the past four months, a permanent solution they deem necessary. There would have been easily 40 women working on a three-block stretch of Cap. Now there may be 10 or less. Um, <laughs> Peace and quiet. <laughs> Peace and quiet for everybody. In the mission. Turn our street into a... You know, family street and people are beginning to feel safe again here. Now, the mission. neighborhood coalition says overall alleged sex work has been reduced by at least 60 percent around Cap Street since those barricades have been installed. And while some residents have seen the improvements, others say it's still impacting 21st and Shotwell, a problem known around that area for decades. Steph, when will these new steel barricades be fully installed? SF Public Works says they're aiming to have them fully installed within two weeks. Right now, they're preparing for that full installation by checking for any potential utility conflicts. But um, as far as how long they'll be there, we're told for the foreseeable future. All right, Stephanie, thank you. I wish somebody would just stand up for fucking city living in one, like at some point here. Like, right? <clears throat> yeah. Like this is this is what you deal with in a city, right? Like, I just wish, like, what the south of market is noisy. That's what there's bars, clubs, lots of restaurants. Like, there's, and like, not for nothing, like, there's a lot of sex work going on in the Castro, and ain't nobody saying shit about that. Like, yeah, it's, no, like, it, cause it's like super affluent there, and the community there is like, yeah, of course there's sex workers here. I moved right. to the Castro. Like, right. It, your your point from earlier is exactly right. Like, don't move to the mission. You know, like if 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 you're looking for bucolic uh, San Francisco living, move to like the Outer Sunset or something, or like you know, uh, I don't know, low, Lower Hate. Where the where where are the nice places in town? <laughs> I mean, the uh, Castro is like a nice. It's yeah. you know, the Castro is nice for um, families, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, lower Hate's really nice. Yeah. Um obviously knob hill is very nice but that's like out of um, a lot you know that's very that's like where rich people live but there's like yeah. or you could get out like you get out into the avenues and it's kind of quiet you're still in san francisco but you're like not what what's going on here is these people move there what they want all the nice things about living in the mission i could walk to any kind of restaurant i could walk to the club i could walk to a bar a wine bar mm -hmm. if depending on where you are in the mission you can walk to the fucking castro right but i don't want the, all the Accoutre Mall, so I would say that comes with living there, right? That that comes with being in a city and being in a, in a district like the Mission, right? Um, you know, on the whole, though, I, I, I frankly, I, I feel like things have gotten, you know, I feel safer, I guess. But um, regardless, it's like that's what that's what you get, like just with the the explosives and the the, the fireworks, right? You know, I'm cost of doing business, cost of 
you know, being able to ha- afford a home, good for you. You know, good for you. You can have a nice little gentrified home. That's awesome. Maybe these um, young women and men who are out there selling them their bodies, um, you know, they're trying to have a place to live too, you know, and this is the only way that they're able to do that. Um, and now you're putting a barricade in their way, uh, literally and, uh, and figuratively. Right. Like so, if any of these motherfuckers uh, wants peace and quiet, I'll trade with them. They can move to the fucking South side and I'll take their spot in the mission. Like for sure, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> They'd love San. I mean, South San Jose is just like, can you hear it? Yes. That's, that's South San Jose. Yeah. <laughs> or no, you can't, but that's not what they want. They want, because they, they would, they'd fucking be hella pissed if they lived where I live. Because you can't walk anywhere here. Can't go right. anywhere. Nothing to do. They'd have something to complain about. And everyone always does. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, the the stories, and we only caught one story, but I hope they're still working on trying to decriminalize sex work and try to make this available to people in a way that's m- like more safe and uh, 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 honestly offers business opportunities for for people to do like legitimate business around this instead of this yeah. sort of like illegal way that it's happening. That you know everybody's less safe as a result. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Well, so, uh, speaking of. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, speaking of having to get your shit together and get and get get things together, the Antioch PD is definitely in need of getting its shit together. And now they're being told as much by the, you know, state attorney general, among well, others. Well, let's see what's going on. Let's see it. A year into an ongoing FBI investigation of the Antioch Police Department, the California Department of Justice is now launching an investigation of its own. We've seen uh, data that shows. Uh, spikes in excessive force in the Antioch Police Department, more than other uh, pl- uh, local police departments nearby and in the region. California State Attorney General Rob Bonsa made the announcement Wednesday morning. Antioch Police Chief Stephen Ford says his department is getting ready. I was actually somewhat uh, relieved, to be honest with you, because I, I know the value that they bring, and I know they'll give us some some structure and some fr- and some framework to work within. Uh, to move us forward. Bonta says this investigation into the Antioch PD comes after multiple complaints of habitual and consistent violations of civil rights. Then came the texting scandal, which the Contra Costa County Public Defender's Office believes may involve up to 40% of the police force. Those texts are hard to read. Uh, They are racist, they are homophobic, uh, they are misogynist, and they aren't just um, comments unrelated to official duties, they are directly related to official duties, including the use of force. Chief Ford says the investigation will likely be a deep dive into internal systems and structures, the department's use of force policy, level of supervision in certain situations, and accountability. Chief Ford spoke with the California Department of Justice on Wednesday. In the coming weeks, he and his command staff will map out the process for the investigation. He also sent out an email to the rank and file so they understand what to expect. They are the change agents of what's forthcoming. They are going to be the practitioners of the... No, no, they're not. Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe says the investigation is critically important given the magnitude of the situation. He believes in the long run, the city will be better off. Can't just be a certain segment of the white community that feels that they can have a relationship with the police department. Everybody uh, has a right to... uh, uh, to feel comfortable with their police department. Kimberly Payton is with the East County branch of the NAACP, which includes Antioch. They welcome the investigation. She says change takes time and that each investigation like this one can be another step towards that goal. Not only to unite the 
community, but to build trust again and to prevent this from happening if possible. In Antioch, Ansar Hassan, ABC 7 News. You know what they did in Newark, New Jersey? They literally mm. made all the cops reapply for their fucking job. Nice. And that's what they right. need. Antioch, it looks like that's where that they have to go there. Because honestly, like I, I think that from what I've seen, that that mayor has fucking had it with this shit. I don't think he. I don't think he just doesn't oh, yeah. like it. It seems to me that he doesn't just not like it because it's bad for him politically. But you don't get that mad. Like you could hear in his voice that he doesn't like any of this. So and it even mad. seems even yeah. seems like they got a police chief who's willing to kind of play ball in that way here too. So might be we may end up seeing a, a situation where they fucking clean house yeah, like i would hope so 40 percent. that's in, that's ridiculous i mean it's a small force but fire all of them yeah yeah at this point yeah bye-bye like There's what they a code of conduct i i don't you know i'm gonna probably mess this up a little bit but what they did in newark they didn't like kick everybody off the force but you had to reapply you weren't mm-hmm. fired but sure. a lot of some of them weren't fucking rehired because you had to go through standards or performance evaluation, right? Or some sort of, you know, well, you know you had to, they were, instead of it being a performance evaluation of tell, you know, tell us why you should be fired. It was a, you're reapplying. Tell us why we should rehire you. Right. And like, it's not like they fixed all the problems in Newark, New Jersey, but they, they fucking cleaned mm-hmm. house there. And that's what I think. I think Antioch doesn't really have a choice, but to do that, if 40% of these people were doing this tech, like even like leave aside, let's, let's, <clears throat> Let's say it wasn't the police. What if it was just at a business? They'd shit can everyone, right? Yeah. They would shit can everyone. Absolutely. If they had the, the only thing that's really preventing them from doing that here is the fact that they're public employees and there are um, protections and in place for, for public employees and, 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 and unionized employees. So, uh, yeah, that's probably the only reason at this point that they're not fired because they're not really technically at will. Right. So, um, we will obviously keep following this. In a related story, though, uh, Antioch is trying to get away from having these asshole police that they have, 40% of police, uh, show up for minor um, uh, issues, right, and non, non-criminal non issues. So uh, they have a new civilian task force that they're unveiling. First of its kind in Contra Costa County, police in Antioch will no longer be the first responders to a mental health crisis. A new team is hitting the streets with the goal of taking on lower level 911 calls. So the shift is happening at a time when Antioch's police department is dealing with its own crisis. 38 officers are on leave. Well, that's up from 24, I think, or 25 last time we heard. As yeah. part of investigation racist text. Is that the forty percent or was twenty five forty percent? Conduct continue. Now, even before that, the police department has been under scrutiny. The new team is named after a man who died after being restrained by Antioch officers. And as John Ramis reports, his family is hopeful that the change in Oh, I like how it's called it says CRT right on the side of the fucking van too. Fuck off. <laughs> People gonna be hell mad. Show that to Tucker Carlson. Abilities could save lives. In recent years, the Antioch Police Department has had a rocky relationship with the community it has sworn to serve. Today's effort was meant to remove some responsibilities from the department. And everyone here, including the police, think that's not such a bad idea. Three, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. A ceremony as the city of Antioch cut its police department out of the business of dealing with mental health crises. 
The event officially introduced the Angelo Quinto Community Response Team, named in honor of a young man who died after police responded to his mental health episode. His sister Bella told the crowd she is still haunted by her decision to call authorities for help. I welcomed people into his home who existed within a culture of prejudice and dehumanization. And that's a regret that I'll live with forever. But um, now there is somebody else to call. The Community Response Team, or CRT, is trained to calm chaotic situations like Angelo Quinto's rather than suppress them by force. Had that been done, um, and um, had he been just kept in a calm state and people would have spoken to him, uh, I think he'd be alive today. The CRT has quietly been operating in the city since February, and the company's CEO estimates they have relieved police of about 30% of their calls. The police, once they realized that we were actually really easy to work with and a real professional organization, um, I think that they've been, they've been really excited, and so have we. We embrace them. We need their help and assistance as well. And so this is a joint effort, for sure. It, it is too bad that sometimes things have to get really bad before they get better. We tend to ignore problems all too often. Things are so polarized that it's difficult to exert change because people take sides. This is not about taking sides. It's about finding the appropriate tools to preserve people's civil rights, human rights, um, in a way that just makes sense for the community. Antioch is the first city in Contra Costa County to have a non-police crisis response team, but with the epidemic of mental illness facing the Bay Area and the country, it will likely not be the last. So John also tells us the crisis response team is dispatched through the normal 911 emergency call system, and again, they're only sent to non-violent, non-life-threatening situations. So this is all going to be a huge deal as soon as one of these people fucking beats the shit out of one of the people that came to help them, unfortunately, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not yeah. kidding. I'm not hoping yeah. for that. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm just telling you that I as soon as, as soon as yeah. someone, as soon as one of these places, it turns out that it is a situation that's going to turn violent. Everybody's going to lose their damn mind, but I hope they stay the fucking course. And I, you know, I hope the, the the people that are doing this work are willing to fucking stick up for themselves if when the when and if that fucking shit starts to hit the fan. Shit show. And I'm just doing a little quick math here. So forty percent of the officers uh are involved in this, you know, turmoil and probably should be fired. They're on leave. This new program is absorbing thirty percent of the calls. So we're close, right? We really don't need to worry, <laughs> we need to worry about that other ten percent of the uh, the calls, right, that those officers are handling. I think the the rest of the cops should be able to handle it if we just let all those other fuckers go. Well, uh, and, uh, I mean, we don't know that, like, they're handle. we don't, you know, the police don't just deal with 911 calls and stuff, right? But, sure. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. But, fair enough. but, I mean, if, if this works out well, this, it would be, it would be wild, actually, if it turned out that Antioch ended up being a model, like, after right. all this shit. But, I'm just gonna, that mayor, I, I, unless he's just playing me, that dude, he seems fucking serious. He seems serious Ch as a heart attack about this shit and wants to fix it, so. Chipotle is the safest place to eat right now. I guarantee it. Guaranteed. They, they, they will go the extra mile to make sure that everything's clean and no one else gets sick because it, it could ruin their business model. So, same, same thing, same rule applies. Same rule applies. All right, well, we're going right. to move on to down ballot watching. It looks like it's all about Bart. Uh, yeah, we can do we can do a nice quick sort of a 
what do you call it? Lightning round on these three stories because they're all kind of related. But uh, the one you found is the fir- is the leadoff because I think that's the most appropriate uh, over overview of what we're talking about. Um, folk, spoken. The transit uh, agency is getting a reality check about why people aren't riding BART and what it's going to take to get them back on BART. So it's no secret that BART is in serious financial trouble. The weekday ridership last month was at about 37% of where it was at the same time in 2019. It's been hovering around that level for months, but according to a new survey, you can't entirely blame the shift to remote work. Take a look at this. A new poll from the Bay Area Council. It found 45% of responders cite safety concerns, fear, cleanliness as reasons for not riding BART. That's compared to just 19% who cited the lack of a commute or working from home. Now, it's even more pronounced for riders who haven't returned to BART or ride less often. In fact, 55% of them cited safety concerns and cleanliness as their main reason. So Devin Feely has been digging deeper into the survey. He's been riding BART too and talking to riders about the biggest barriers to BART's recovery. I have seen some concerning things. I've seen a fight before. Sometimes you see people like with open bottles. Hassan, who asked us just to use his Well, but you can just drink alcohol on Caltrain if you want. Maybe don't make maybe make it not illegal to fucking drink on fucking BART. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen on both fights. To UC Berkeley, where he's a student. And like nearly half of the people responding to the poll, he says he has witnessed a crime firsthand while on the transit system. There was actually uh, a homeless person in our in the same car as me and my friend, and this guy had a hammer. And so once we noticed that he had a hammer, we decided to move to a different car. The poll conducted by the Bay Area Council, a business-backed advocacy group, paints an unflattering portrait of how BART is perceived by the public. In broad brushstrokes, the answer is unsafe and unclean. Seeing parents ride with their kids, they're supposed to have a safe trip from point A to point B. And with people sometimes being intoxicated, uh, fights being in, in BARTs, um, my concern is high for them. In a prepared statement, a BART spokesperson says the transit agency has already begun to tackle many of the problems identified in the poll, writing, we now have an additional 8 to 18 officers patrolling trains per shift. That visible safety presence is making a difference. BART police say arrests are up 40% as a result. But what's not up is ridership. It's plateaued at less than half of pre-pandemic levels, and there is concern that BART and other transit agencies may soon need an infusion of money to stay afloat. The public wants to see improvements, they want to see efficiencies, they want to see safety, uh, and they, they want us to be able to provide a better transit experience. And they want it all for free. Uh, for them. Uh, before they're going to agree to, you know, to, to put in more money. Hassan says that BART is still his best option to get to campus, but he would like to see safety and cleanliness become consistent priorities. Having more BART police, uh, that might help, uh, especially... If Unless they decide you're doing something wrong, buddy. Is, is a deterrent yep. more than anything. If the fears about a financial cliff actually come to fruition, there are not a lot of good options. BART either has to raise ridership, something so far they have failed to do, or raise revenue. That often means that taxpayers will foot the bill. 
Now, some more of the poll's key findings. 90% of people put a high priority on more frequent cleaning. 73% say BART should prioritize adding more uniform police on trains and in stations. And 79% said BART should remove people violating the code of conduct. The Bay Area Council estimates BART could see up to 300,000 more trips over the work week by making these changes. I have an idea. Here's an idea. Go for it. I hate taking BART because if I have to fucking take a piss, there's nowhere to take a, you can't fucking take a piss. You end up, you end up like, how about, how about put a fucking bathroom on the train? Hey, (laughs) maybe then people wouldn't like pee on the seats. What about real quality of life improvements? Like a bathroom, like on Caltrain. Um, and I'd like if these people if these people think BART is scary, I'd like to introduce them to the New York City subway system. <laughs> fucking yes. ev- the New Yorkers all take the fucking subway. They know what it is. They know what's up. They know to stay alert. Yes. Families take the subway. Yeah. Um, in, in New York. Yeah, absolutely. They know what's going on. Uh, yeah, this is just more more city life. City life. It's dangerous. I've seen fights. Producer Dave, I've seen a fight. On, it was probably on the him. probably on the way home from a ball game, <laughs> right? Like I, I, I barely ride Bart. Frankly, I'm not, I'm not an avid Bart rider. Not because I don't like Bart. It's just because I don't have as much need as the next person does. Um, and even I've seen a fight on Bart and whatever. It's it's I'm on a transit train and I saw a fight. You know, I, I ho hum. <laughs> what what else is news? Um, yeah, and I've been on the New York subway. I've been on the, the Paris Metro too, which is freaking fabulous. Um, and gets you everywhere you need to go. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a little, little rough around the edges, but it gets you where you need to go. So uh, we got two more stories here. Maybe we'll just kind of go through them real quick because I have a feeling they're going to be covering a lot of the same uh, ground as the first one. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, if you're looking for reasons why people aren't writing BART, these two things, you know, if you're splashing these all over the local news, that might shy people away from from taking BART. And back here at home, BART is facing a major financial dilemma. This is because fewer people are choosing to ride. But that comes as a new survey shows that many of those people don't feel safe anymore. Today in the Bay's Emma Goss live for us at the Fremont BART station. And Emma, this comes after another incident of someone getting hurt on one of those trains. That's right. It was a pretty serious incident yesterday. Uh, an attack happened on uh, the Antioch-bound BART train going through the train Antioch. tube. Investigators say that a man slashed a BART passenger on the back using a meat cleaver, then stole their backpack. The attacker fled the train and got off at the West Oakland stop. That's where officers were waiting for him and arrested him. That's just the most recent crime reported while a passenger was taking BART. Riders tell us safety concerns have led them to seek rideshare services over BART, especially at night. Right now, it's like nobody's using it. Like half of my friends, they don't even want to come to the city or my co-workers because of like how unsafe it is. 
the Bay Area Council recently surveyed 1,000 people from across BART service area about rider experiences, and 70, 79% said they feel more comfortable when uniformed police or security are also aboard, and 90% of those polled said BART should prioritize cleaning stations and trains. BART has already started deploying more uniformed officers. Between 8 and 18 more BART cops are supposed to be riding BART trains every day. Reporting live in Fremont, Emma Goss for Today in the Bay. So, <clears throat> like, yeah, that's that's terrible what happened. Um, I don't know that, like, that you're going to be able to prevent all crime on public transit. Um, you know, like, here in here in the South Bay, we have light rail. Light rail is clean, very clean, very safe. I've seen crime on light rail, and light rail is, like, I don't know that it, it's seems to have solved all of the problems that they talk about with Bart. Nobody rides the fucking light rail either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, I think what you have here is the news, you know, conflating, uh, anecdotes and, 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 you know, basically creating a situation where the narrative, uh, sells itself, right. And the narrative just keeps self-perpetuating. That being said, I think you're right. Like there, Bart could make some serious investments in, uh, in upgrades, for example, not just bathrooms on the train, bathrooms at the stations. Like there's stations that don't have a bathroom. Whole stations. I was in North. I was in North Berkeley or don't no, downtown Berkeley. Didn't doesn't have a bathroom in the downtown Berkeley Bart Station. And I'm thinking, man, like if I really had to, if I was just out partying and at a bar and I was taking Bart home, and I really had to whiz right, and I couldn't go on the. I was expecting to go in a you know Bart Station bathroom and didn't have one. Yeah, I I might end up you know passing out and pissing all over a chair in the bar train, you know, and well, then the car smells like piss and everyone's narrative is is fulfilled. Yeah, I mean, just some just minor amenities mean the world to people when they're when they're going around, especially if you got kids. Sure. You want to take yeah. your kids to Berkeley? Well, yeah, your yeah. kids are your kids are going to want to pee eventually. In the Fucking BART station, you think you think that'd be the appropriate place? Be like, hey, kids, we're leaving the station now. Uh, does anybody have to use the bathroom? Right, Caltrain has bathrooms on the train in the stations. All the stations have bathrooms. I don't. This it makes no sense to me. I don't know what you're 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 chin, you're uh, cheaping out on the bathrooms in the construction of these things. Like, really, that's the space you're going to cut costs. So, <clears throat> we're we're starting to run a little long here, and we're going to skip this yeah, next sorry, part story. But I remember the the justification for shutting down a lot of the bathrooms was after nine eleven, like in the oh, underground sure, yeah. stations because sure. you had privacy yeah, we underground. Well. It's been a while since 9-11. Maybe we can open the fucking bathrooms back up on the underground That'd stations. Cool. That'd be cool. Eh? Yeah, so the bathrooms are there. They're just not marked. They're just not, you know, maybe they're walled off or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm going I'm to lobby for that now. So open we got, now we're, now we're at and another thing. The, the human interest, like slightly nicer part of the, 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 the docket here. What's, what's, what, what's with this Adobe headquarters in downtown San Jose? So for those of you who, they're going to get into it uh, in the story, uh, but uh, real quickly, uh, if, for those of you who are familiar with the Adobe headquarters in downtown San Jose, there's those uh, four orange dots, right? Look like little screws, right? Uh, that spin around on top of the building. They actually, uh, it's a signal. It's a, like a bat signal um, that is kind of like a puzzle, basically. And uh, they've had a number, I think three puzzles that have been solved or, or, or created and solved 
since the building was constructed and they put that up there. So now they're launching the latest one. Um, and the last one I think took like very long time to get solved. So we're going to hear more about it from our local news. All right, things are looking up in downtown San Jose. Actually, people are looking up. As of today, oh, cute. Adobe put up its new puzzle in downtown. I love his shirt. The Adobe building headquarters, and somebody's got to figure it out. Let's bring in our business and tech reporter, Scott Budman, in downtown San Jose to try to solve this puzzle. What do you got, Scott? Well, we'll count on Nothing. people far smarter than me to do that, Roz, but I'll tell you, for only the <laughs> third time in 17 years, those Three four times. big orange circles going around on top of Adobe's headquarters are actually spinning in some sort of a sequence. It is, as you said, a puzzle, and as of today, Adobe is daring anyone to step forward and solve it. It's a very visible mystery. The series of wheels rolling atop the Adobe Systems headquarters in downtown San Jose. They move at different speeds based on the message. And like Adobe's Stacy Martinet says, there is a message hidden in the motion. It's called the semaphore puzzle and it's back. This is the third semaphore. Spinning out a code for someone to crack and it's likely going to take some time. The last puzzle took more than four years to solve. I think the goal, if anything, is to just make it meaningful for people. Ben so, Rubin, the New York-based artist who creates these puzzles, tells us the semaphore is meant to be both something cool to look at and something to figure out. That's That's been the hope from the beginning, that people will see these discs up there turning and wonder to themselves, like, what? What's going on up there? Is there some meaning to that, you know? And turns out, well, there is. So if you're around, look up. Some of the world's brightest minds will be along for the ride. If you solve it, you win two years of Creative Cloud membership and bragging rights. Ooh. <laughs> it's, pretty it's pretty impressive. Two years. Man, I'm not going to lie, that software is that ain't cheap. Adobe says it gets international attention whenever it does one of these puzzles, but they say they have no idea how long this one is going to take to figure out. Live in downtown San Jose, Scott Budman, NBC, <clears throat> Bay Area News. I can do it. Yeah, you can do it? <laughs> i got to look at it for like 15 minutes. So, I mean, that's kind of neat that they're doing that and that they're giving away Creative Cloud. I, I personally don't care because, like, I don't use Adobe products. I'm a open source purist. Um, but for, you know, if you solve it, then fuck yeah, because Adobe Creative Cloud ain't cheap. That's very true. And it, it, like they said, it's a, it's a creative focal point. It, it's a piece of public art, if you will, um, in the community uh, to, to, to draw attention, to make people ask, what's going on up there? Uh, are you there, God? It's me, Councilman. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, that's, so. It, it's, it's, pre it's pretty cool. And like I said, I, I just figure that like, I hope they're giving you the top tier Adobe like Creative Cloud if you get it too. I hope they're not giving you like one of the mid tier. Like I hope you get the the whole thing, the most expensive it, tier. Yeah, it was, and it's really difficult to to decipher these things because there's only four you know dots basically in the semaphores. Uh, but apparently, I I remember the first one was like uh, it was the first chapter of a Thomas Pinchon novel. <laughs> it's like talk about niche, right? Like, uh, but that was it, and someone solved it. So who knows? People are just. Uh, People are insanely creative and, and nuanced in ways we just have no idea about until they get arrested for having explosives in their business. So I think this next story, uh, I, I for one am stunned that <laughs> Burlingame, all, that there's a bunch of kids playing chess at the fucking school at Burlingame. 
Hey, for each their own, man. They're probably studying Latin too. Probably. Anyway, here's this here's this local news story. This is supposed to be a feel good story, but I have some I have some thoughts. <laughs> Did you know a new distraction is sweeping classrooms across the country? And it's not social media. It's not video games. Thankfully. It is chess, and our Max Darrow on why the centuries-old game has become the new craze among teens. To Burlingame high schoolers Isaac Van Voris and Joshua Ortiz, lunchtime now means chess time. It's just a great game, yeah. I like, like a lot of things about chess. And they are not alone. The subtle knocks of strategic captures oh, man. and friendly competition have become regular sounds to hear in this corner of the library during lunch period. Do I take? The game of chess has made a major comeback and is taking the high school by storm. Yeah, I think it's great. I think, I, I would argue it's like possibly the most like intellectually stimulating game, so. Librarian Maureen Cito has a front row seat to the spectacle every day. We have that big chessboard over there. <laughs> And usually kids are running over to grab that. That's like the most coveted table in the library. But Isaac's phenomenon isn't unique to Burlingame High. And it's not just in-person chess either. It's online too. The most popular app, chess.com, has experienced record high usership this year. It's everywhere. Um, it's becoming more widespread and I think it's showing that as a generation, um, we're sort of embracing more like intellectual games. It's tough to pin one reason behind the craze. Isaac thinks. Its recent rise has been mainly due to its rise as an eSport. Josh points to drama in the professional chess world. Mag is like one of the best chess players in the world. And it was like him and this other dude like duking it out. And I think that really made it super popular because it was almost like a scandal. The online aspect of the high school chess obsession sometimes makes its way into the classrooms. Kids probably in class, yeah, I have heard teachers complain about that. But overall, Cito believes chess is a good thing for the students. It bridges different kids that you don't normally see together. It brings out a social aspect that you don't usually see. Um, meat cakes in our chat he did, already knows what, what my thoughts are going to be. <laughs> They're doing social media. If it's anyone's game now. That's one of the things Josh likes most about chess. I'm missing practices like swim practice sometimes because I'm playing chess on like the, like the library on the Burlingame app. So I guess it's that social aspect of it that I really like. Josh and Isaac had never played each other before, but in good chess fashion, they came to a stalemate. Yeah, I think it was drawn. It's a draw, man. Jeez, that's great. Good game. Oh my good gosh. Game. Isaac encourages people who've never played before to give it a shot. It might like seem really intimidating at first, but it's relatively easy to learn. It's very difficult to master, but you can get to like a really high level with just like a, a decently short amount of work into it. The more that happens, the more the chess craze will continue. Yeah, uh, Meat Cakes in chat said that some of these kids were going to be watching them, like we're going to be watching videos of them on the intellectual dollar tree in a few years because they're going to have a YouTube channel about race and IQ or some shit. Like, <laughs> Burlingame is one of the, uh, one of the, it's a pretty well-to-do uh, area on the peninsula, which is already a pretty well-to-do part of the Bay Area. So, I am not surprised at all that the Burlingame School is uh, where the chess craze has taken off, to be perfectly oh. honest. Yeah, I know very much so. Uh, more first world problems here. Um, I mean, yay. Great to see some kids engaging in chess. But um, what are you guys doing to take this out to uh, your brethren in less, maybe, uh, areas where they're less exposed to things like chess and uh, these sort of 
newfangled things that you can get access to when you live in a, a land of luxury. Um, so uh, yeah, let's we'll, we'll see where we'll see where things end up with the, so, this cohort. But it, I mean, it it is it is it is kind of cool, I guess. The kids that don't know each other end up meeting each other and and stuff. It's like it's like I, I just wish it was Dungeons and Dragons and not chess, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that that story next week on Down Ballot. Maybe, maybe. So I guess that's the show. We're a uh, we we sure filled that hour and a half this week, but we had a we had Seriously. a lot we had a lot to cover, and we kind of went off uh, into Narnia for a for a couple minutes there. I'm glad everybody indulged us. Um, want to want to go ahead and read us out, Councilman? Sure. Uh, this is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, bringing you all the <laughs> best in local derp. Um, you can pick, figure out who's who uh, later on. Uh, we want to remind everyone that it's really important to uh, get vaccinated and to stay safe and wear a mask in public if you can. Um, there are still many people out there who are immunocompromised, and we need to uh, make sure that we're looking out for everyone. So do all that those things. But it, you know, if you feel like you're not wearing pants on any given day, I think that's totally appropriate. So uh, we're going to listen to some audible smoke. You need to stick around for uh, conspiracy bingo. Producer Dave, thank you as always. Everyone else, have a great week. We'll see you next Friday. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We now get the fuck up on and like the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is the jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is the jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man. You know where we are We're headed out to the car To smoke another one And another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is the jam So sit back and enjoy the band we want what we want to do and what we want is to jam so sit back and enjoy the band enjoy that band last up on the field for the show tonight it's down and dirty in five so we're headed outside just spark up another joint now who's got my lighter stoner e of course shouldn't you be inside i'm all up in this bitch being who i gotta be i'm fucked up like the u.s economy the truth is is that i don't think logically stoner e Take you on a 
psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rockin' the rollie, all the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want What we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with the band and enjoy the band We do what we want we want us to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. If you like what we're doing at Echoplex and aren't into Twitch, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Echoplex. For $5, you can get every show from beginning to end sent to you as an MP3, even the stuff we bleep out because it's too spicy for Twitch. Echoplex would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the community support we receive. Find out all the ways you can support the show at echoplexmedia.com slash support.